We are live. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Thank you for coming back to the Digital Green Book podcast. I'm Alana Whitaker, one half of Digital Green Book, and you can also call me Afro Butterfly. As you know, here at Digital Green Book, I love highlighting amazing, dope, talented, unique people across the diaspora. I'm so blessed and honored today to have Sydney Davis here. I met this young lady while she was teaching an entire panel at Black Tech Week Cincinnati. She is the founder of Nixcode. This is literally an app that's developed to help people who may not have the technical skills to write code, or maybe they just want to save some time and go ahead and do a plug and play option. And it helps them get those coding needs out of the way. That's such a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal product. Sydney, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Love your delivery. You got this. Yes. <laughs> like literally. Introduction now. <laughs> literally, I went down a rabbit hole that day because I brought my laptop with me to Black Tech Week. Uh -huh. And we're sitting in there. You're like, oh, it's super easy. Everybody follow along. And I'm like, follow along. And I'm looking around. People got their phones out, their laptops out, and they're diving straight in. And everyone in the room looked completely different. It was liberating because, I mean, there were older people in there. There were kids in there and everyone was following along. And I'm like, this is one of the best icebreakers I've ever seen to introduce people to the world of coding. Yeah, it like, yeah. tell me what, what inspired you to make Nick's code? Well, um, my first uh, purpose was as a freelance developer, um, mm -hmm. worked with a lot of uh, non-technical creators and creatives they were mm -hmm. like look Sydney, i can't i can't code i don't also have the money to hire a developer um i feel like you get my idea you know it's either could you develop it for me could you be my cto you know mm -hmm. can we partner on this and um after a while having so many clients like that was just not the goal and, and feasible for me and a little overwhelming and so i felt once people needed a retention or some way to retain their technical expertise or talent I said, there's got to be an easier way. And so that's where I thought, first, what if I build it for you in a solution and then you can just maintain it without me needing to be around? Um, mm. And then empowering them to do it themselves. Um, you know, that's what inspired me to get here. But again, I keep pivoting. The more I keep learning and speaking to people and truly understanding the need. Um, this is how I keep evolving Nick's code to what it's become today, a completely artificial intelligence app development tool. Wow. Like it, growing up when I heard the term AI, um, I'm 34. And like the biggest introduction I remember having to AI was Will Smith. <laughs> and it was this negative perception of robots taking over the world. And I'm like, holy crap. But when I really think back, we've been dealing with AI or even different aspects of yeah. machine learning for quite some time. A long time. And it's I mostly been a film was where it kind of started, but yeah. That part. I even remember the little dancing paperclip on Microsoft Word. Back in the day, it would ask automated questions. Did you mean, or are you looking for this, or did you need that yeah, Clippy? <laughs> clippy. Clippy. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, and, and that, for, for I know we're, we're evolving into an era where 
everyone has the opportunity to do things. I love initiatives where I see STEAM and young girls are included. And that like makes my heart sing. And I was like super excited to interview you today because I'm like, this is a woman out here with her whole own business out here getting it done. And <laughs> like, I, it's just so inspiring. So what, what sort of clients do you see use Nick's code the most now? Like what backgrounds are they coming from? Are they super techie? Or are these artists? Or who, who's using it? Um, one, I find two types of majority in audiences. One are people looking to solve health disparities in marginalized <laughs> communities. A lot of people. It could be a film health, fitness, wellness, medicine, telehealth. People are big on mental health, um, community, uh, streamlining, uh, patients to physical, mental, and um, just psychological resources. So a huge wellness tech uh, sector, and maybe that was a pivot to it, high, like COVID and people going more hybrid. So that could have been a push too. We launched like a month right before the shutdown happened. Wow. Um, I guess the other background of people I see are actually agencies. So these are actually people who says, hey, I'm I'm just like you said, I'm a developer, but look, I'm not trying to do a bunch of coding work. Um, I want to streamline my processes with all my clients and give them something that they can maintain on their own. So agencies are also shortcutting their workload um, and optimizing and streamlining their processes by leveraging Nixcode as well. So those are two different segments we really see a lot on Nixcode. And it makes complete sense. I I was like guessing beforehand because I was excited to ask you that. I'm like, I wonder who's doing all the plug and play. Is it people making games? Is it people? But it makes so much sense. I literally just attended a pitch competition in um, as an audience member in um, Atlanta, Fearless Fund. And amazing. For anyone who hasn't gone, I highly recommend attending next year. Um, it'll be September next year as well. Just type in Fearless Fund. And 11 different women pitched, all women business owners, all of them pitching some sort of tech app. And each of them, I could see them having a need for your product. One, two of them were building out diabetic apps, like for people with diabetes, helping them keep all of their health care and paperwork and everything organized. Um, one was Care Copilot, young lady connecting elderly people in the community to resources, health care, things of that nature. Just the list goes on and on. And even people who didn't technically need an app, they still needed to interface because one young lady is selling shoes. Ariana Edwards, I interviewed her a few weeks ago. She's like, that's how I even wound up qualifying as a tech company. I'm a shoe retailer, but I need the tech to sell my shoes. So yeah. even in my own misadventures with Digital Green Book, I'm up here like, do I need a chief technical officer? Do I need a pro back end front end? Like, but I'm like, hello, hello. So I will definitely be checking out your product. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So definitely high demand thing in that healthcare. Yeah. So where are you now expanding Nick's code into? Because there's a clear need for it in the market. Most people are trying to get online, trying to reach the masses, needing to shortcut the time with physical paperwork and things like that. Where where do you want to branch into next? Um. It's not really more so industry. I think we're pretty good industry agnostic, but more so in our product roadmap is that the problem isn't sometimes, well, I mean, yes, not knowing how to cope is a problem and the affordability of higher traditional developers when they make up like 1% of one third of the world's population. But 
Wow. It doesn't matter if we gave you code. If I gave you Lego blocks and I said, build me an app, it's like, okay, how do I build a product? Um, and that's that's the hurdle. That's People aren't product developers. I mean, you have no UX, UI experience. You don't know how to build for a conversion. You don't know how to build for engagement. You don't know how to build for sustainability. Um, you don't, you're not a user behavior analyst, right? This is so new to you that you can build it, but it may not be usable. It could fail. It could be glitched. Users will find it difficult. So to me, it's more about how do I evolve my product to be easy for product development for those who've never created anything? I don't care what the means were. Hmm. Um, and that's where my focus is. Not only is how can our artificial intelligence and platform make you a better product developer, mm-hmm. but also once you actually build a product, people are like, okay, well, now what? I got a product, but now what? Um, it's getting its market because you're also not an app marketer. You don't know app metrics. You don't know what best in class performance looks like for mobile app because you never have one and you're new to this space. So um, outside of just giving you a tool to build a product, we want to give you tools to be successful. Hmm. that's like industry agnostic because at the end it's foundational. I don't care what industry you're in, you got to have some foundational principles in product development. And that's what next code aims to do through no code that that's where I'm moving to. I'm definitely even as far as I'm concerned, I'm like novice hood into my founder era, my founder, era, my Rihanna era, my founder era. Um, I was an ICU nurse for 10 years and fell into tech. And it just grew on. I fell in love. I've always been in love with things of the tech nature. Like I grew up watching BattleBots with my brother (laughs) and just fascinated with people building things. And um, even for recreation, very much love. I was just chatting with someone else about this. I love like Alton Brown because he gets to the etiology of, oh, why was the muffin invented? And who made the first muffin recipe? And that translates to tech for me because I'm like, okay, well, who figured out how to code first and what language is the best? And oh, what what is a product developer? Oh, what's front end? What's back end? And I'm just drinking through a water hose right now, but it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful. So when I look at someone with your skill set, like I don't think people, uh, not that they don't appreciate it, but I don't even know if they are fully taking in the beauty of what you're able to do because it's almost inception level. Not only do you have the skill set to craft something that hasn't quite existed yet in the real world. You know languages and simply by putting a string of numbers, letters, and or spaces and or symbols together, you can create something. But then one level up under that, you're creating something that helps people who don't know how to create something, create something. <laughs> That's yeah. That's crazy to me. It's crazy, beautiful in such a good way. And when I look at something like that, and I'm like, this is a woman doing this. And I want to get to a space eventually where we don't have to make that distinction because we realize the fact that we're even acknowledging that we're coming out of a torrid past. And da, da, da. But you are a woman who is crafting and creating and creating the thing to create, help people create things with the creation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just so amazing to me. And stepping into my founder era now and getting to the point where I'm considering, oh, I need an app. Oh, I want to develop a game. And talking to other developers in the community, founders, people who know these coding languages, Python, C++, all these things. And I look at where the market is going because I heard the analogy the other day that one month in tech is like one year in the real world. (laughs) Like... 
time just goes so quickly with how fast these languages develop. Along your tech journey, how many, how are you keeping up with the skill set that you need to be able to not just create, but to create the thing that creates for other people? Like how many coding languages did you have to learn? Like, um, I learned enough to be dangerous. Um, and I learned the basics and I, I tell people just the same, it actually start off with the same programming languages we all use to program our MySpace pages, right? You need to know a little bit of HTML, CSS. We did a little JavaScript. Like, lo and behold, MySpace was teaching you how to code without you even knowing that you were learning how to code. And that's the same model. Like, I'm teaching how to be a product developer, without you even know you're learning how to be a product developer, right? And, um, but that's where, like, that's just starting off with these little things. Because I can tell you, if you can build a MySpace page, go build a pie. Like, no, nah, I can't do all that. But I can build a MySpace page. You just know enough to get some results and be dangerous. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where I started with wanting a little bit of everything to build something minimal and sellable. And then mm -hmm. from there on out, my skill set is used to think more strategy. Then I can, like, be more intelligent to hire the right people to take it to the next level. Um, but... I say one thing I like about the way that we set up Nick's code is that we give a lot of youth and students to start building because it really sets the foundation of how you learn code is a lot of that logic-based programming, if this, then that. Without yes. code, you can master that logic. When you start stepping into code, it feels a lot more easier and acceptable and not so overwhelming. It's like, okay, right, understand logic, understand logic statements. I'm just throwing up some new languages in that, um, some programming languages. So that's kind of been my journey. How I stay sharp is I read a lot of blogs. I've subscribed to Apple and Google's developer newsletter. So they're the main ones. Let me know if there's something changed in the mobile space language wise. Um, and then every time there's frameworks, I'm going to get too technical, uh, but there's, you know, different frameworks for different languages. And so every time a new framework solution comes out or, um, they've changed or got acquired or something. I always usually just try to stay new and learn what's different, what can you do with these frameworks. Um, I explore GitHubs. I look through different open source codes to see how they did something. At this point in 2022, I can't think of something that needs to be original. Something exists where you can develop upon. So I explore GitHubs. I pull open source codes and I build upon that too. So by at least exploring and learning enough to be dangerous, you can start to read code and say can i use this or not um mm. go from there so that's been kind of my process and how i continue to keep myself sharp in this space yes first off you need that on a shirt i learned enough to be dangerous <laughs> oh you need that on a shirt sis but money it makes something to sell <laughs> hey get a little teespring shot my hey, i support i support but yeah. I think that's beautiful. And as I learn more about GitHub in these different spaces, like I just went to um, Nearcon in Portugal and tomorrow I'll be going to ETH Bogota in Colombia. And these are different hackathon events and there's other satellite events surrounding it, but mainly it's for developers who are going um, and really immersing themselves inside the coding space, building on these different blockchain protocols and truly understanding how to make different things that are very usable to the community, to different DAOs, different ecosystems and things of that nature. And 
you know, I'm, I'm in kindergarten as a coder, very much kindergarten, very much bracket, very much body header type vibes, very much, very much kindergarten. Um, but still fully fine with that and comfortable with that and immersing myself in these spaces. Cause I'm like, I'm watching and I see these young black women up here, codenate tails off. And I'm like, yes, yes. So when I, when it comes to the new developers coming up under you um, or just in the ecosystem in general, what are some things that you wish you could have said to young Sydney 10 years ago, specifically regarding this space? Um, ask more questions of, um, of users, do more customer discovery. Uh, so a little thing about Nextcode is I actually tried this same business 10 years ago. It wasn't called Nextcode. Really? Um, it was called something else. And I mean, it was the same offering. I didn't have the, the sign up automation, but it was basically no code. I was I was doing no code when it was before it was like a big trending thing. Um, I was doing apps for like $60 and $400. Like I was just trying to get clients and have use case. Um, and I wish I would have asked more about what people seen in the value of app development and why they were doing it. Um, because I didn't, I did, I wasn't successful. I actually quit it. I didn't get sales. It was running expenses. And I think I tried it for two and a half years and I, I stopped, um, went back to the drawing board and relaunched it as some same product. Literally I'm doing the same thing I was doing two years ago, renamed it. I mean, I optimized the systems a little bit more, changed my communication and value proposition. Um, and relaunched it in 2020. But yeah, 10 years ago, I, I wish I had have talked to more people who I was, you know, serving, although, you know, I didn't really see the value because I was undercharging and things like that. But if I would have had more user data, I could have built more beneficial, a beneficial product that they needed. And two, other than saying, get an app, get an app, I could have been communicating benefits when I was talking about features. Sometimes I tell you, we get so caught up in selling the features and not the benefits. Um, and that's that's what I should have done is if I got more customer information, I could have talked about the benefits they were seeing instead of what cool features do you like? What do you want your app to do? Um, mm -hmm. And people really don't care about what it does. It's what will it do for my business? What's the benefit this feature gets me in the long run? And I wasn't, I wasn't asked those questions or getting that insight. So uh, that's one thing I told myself when I was first doing this and that I've learned um, that it's helped me have different change today. You know what? You're speaking directly to me. I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately. I, I think I'm putting on my big girl ears and I'm really hearing people now because I don't know if it's because I'm I happen to be in two accelerators right now. Like oh, right? two, two girl, girl, girl. <laughs> It's going to be a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, but it's beautiful because one is Jack's Bridges, which is in my hometown. Um, and it's tied to the Jacksonville Chamber of Commerce. And specifically, I'm in it as a Web3 company. And they're teaching us about these things right now. Value proposition. like And knowing your customer. Customer yes. profiles. Build your avatar. All of these things. And it's like opening my mind. I'm a nurse. And my business partner is an educator, a curriculum writer for her children. She's a stay-at-home educator. So neither of us have business acumen. 
whatsoever. So as we're going through these things, we're like, wow, we didn't think about that. Wow, we didn't think about that. And specifically the sentence you said when you were undercharging, but trying to get people to buy the feature of the thing that you're selling. It's not that people won't buy it. They'll buy it. It's not that people don't need it. They need it. But do they understand what it will do for them? Or is it better to, like you're saying, ask them what is it exactly that they need and see if you can meet that need? Because the answer is yes. It's just they haven't made that mental connection. I haven't made that mental connection. So you're speaking directly to me right now. And I'm in my first week of my other accelerator. I just got into NASDAQ, which is like, oh my gosh. Right. So I'm like, good, though. I'm geeked out. So I will need to talk to you very soon because I need to ask. Yes. Um, <laughs> but literally, that is such an insightful question. And that helps me so directly. Like, I'm like, I have students right now. And I'm like, have I ever really asked them? I mean, I've asked them what do they want but did i ever really ask them what are they expecting to get yes from this i don't think i've done that and i feel a little silly but i'm gonna go ask them that when we get it's important because then you have missed expectation and that's how i think that's the biggest thing when i look at customer client reviews of unhappy people it's like they had an expectation and we're delivering one thing but never does as a service or product provider do we ask well what is your expectation because from the stump, we could have said that's a misconnection right there. Um, you know, people go on with different expectations. So, too, yeah, students is like, well, what are you expecting to get out of this? Because I want to make sure I'm delivering the benefit that you need. Wow. I mean, and it sounds so simple, but it's like it's oftentimes I've heard it said so many different ways. But oftentimes the most simple things are the things that overlook because people assume they're just getting done. When in reality, no, they don't get done. We're trying to focus on the big tackleable, like, ah, I want the, the profits. And the... Step one, what do, what does the customer want? The customer's always right. Well, asterisk, take that with a grain of salt. But now, heavy asterisk, heavy asterisk. Um, but getting into the essence of ease, because any product in some way, shape, or form is trying to add ease to someone's life. And the value proposition that you're offering is I can do the coding labor for you. I can do that labor for you now venturing into getting your app to market because it's not something you've thought about. So when you think about an ease that you need as a business or an ease that you need as an individual, not what you offer, but what you need, what is something that Sydney needs right now? Mm. Um, you know, I I need, why that's such a, ooh, that's such a loaded question, a heavy one too, but um, mm. I could always use um, executive leadership, um, you know, support, resources, and guidance. I think the the challenging part of if I could just keep it real, the challenging part of being a founder and business owner, but also, you know, I'm a pretty human, straightforward black woman to code switching from my my executive into just who I am, what feels natural to me. 
Um, I'm just gonna sum up that you need some executive, you know, leadership girl. As I'm telling myself, you need some. That's really what you need. Um, in terms of like dealing with more customers and managing people, and um, doing a lot more the internal business things outside of just obviously or outside of my product and tool. Um, that could be just through how I inspire everyone else to be a leader. How do I bring people along and just truly inspire and motivate um, mm-hmm. in a comfortable way? Um, I'm definitely a mama mentality type of Kobe player. Um, and people didn't like Kobe. You know, great, but he was great, right? Kobe was phenomenal. He was good at what he did, right? But when you have to be your team leader and lead your team, it's going to take a, a different skill set. And that that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's what I need. Um is that the bigger my company grows, the more I expand mm-hmm. is how it's also changing me as a woman, is changing me as a black woman, is changing mm-hmm. me as a person. Um, changing me makes me face childhood trauma, makes me face um, a lot of things that are roadblocks to our potential and our true growth and tapping into our, our true potential, Ooh. right? And a lot of self-work. Um, is done to be a founder. It's self-work required to be a true business leader. Um, and if you're looking to disrupt the industry, it has to start internally first. So listen here. So when does when does um the collection plate go around? <laughs> this is church. This literally the last conversation I just had was with Chief Marketing Officer Keone Chong. He's phenomenal. Like we literally just did that interview and he just moved to Portugal. He's literally taking over ownership of putting our digital footprint into the entire world. He could do that with any company, but literally the fact that he's taken ownership of doing that is astronomical. And we were literally talking about personal growth and one book we were both reading was start with why I heard of that. And just another book I was recently reading. What you when you just said the internal work required to be a founder. <laughs> there's a book I read right before this, Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Hmm. There's so much unhealed trauma out here in our community because we're being very technical right now and talking about apps and accelerators and business, but especially in our community, one of the things that we don't spend enough time having the space to address, in my opinion, is healing ourselves because we're constantly in a state of go, 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 go. That time to pause, that time to reflect, that time to be mindful and kind to each other, ourselves, um, and then actually let the healing take place. This morning, I heard a statistic, which I've heard before, but it just, not a statistic, but a factoid, I guess. Um, if you're working out regularly in the gym, if you don't take that day of rest, the muscle won't grow, period. Right. You can think that you're, you're accelerating your growth. You're like, I don't need a day of rest. So I'm going to just do an extra day of work. So I'm going to work out all seven days a week. But actually, the muscle fibers have to break down and have to have that time of repair or it simply won't grow. And there was there's a lot of internal work that I'm still doing. I freely admit it. Like literally my podcast that I do with my co-founder, this is therapy. For me. <laughs> because and I 
I speak very plainly on here because I don't want someone to feel like they're alone in their journey as they're going yeah. through the things they're going through. And I definitely wasn't a tech founder when I first started this thing a few years ago. I've like they've watched me come along on the whole journey, Lord. And I'm saying that to say because I know my audience is predominantly black women around my age. And I, I do have a diverse audience, but specifically speaking to individuals who may identify with my visage, um, we have to take the time to heal. Both of these accelerators are forcing me to heal some shit right now, some stuff, pardon my French, that I thought I had handled. And healing is never really done, ever. Healing is a process. It's a continual journey. And oh, you said something when you said that. Good Lord. What, <laughs> what would you say at what point in your entrepreneurship journey? Because you say you've been at this concept, at this idea for a minimum of 10 years. Because you, yeah. the advice you made your 10 year ago self, you were still doing the same thing. Like, you're like, I'm going to get this war. And you did. And you did. And Thanks. did. Um, but at what point along that journey did you notice that a deeper level of introspection or healing was needed than what you originally anticipated, if that was ever a thing? Yeah. Um, I think I had two series that, that helped me with my pivots. One, when I was I was, I, I, in all honesty, so I, when I did my original no code tool. It's called Hype Digital Innovation. Mm -hmm. um, I was I, my I had my mother uh, invested in it for me, like all my tech stack. I needed to do the work, um, so she wanted to come along as my partner. Um, so with the investment, the agreement was all the money would go to her until I would break even and make some money, but we were, I wouldn't make any money. I was undercharging. So I was never in the positive, right? I was always in the negative with her. Um, during this time, um, I had some life things going on and I was displaced. So no home and I'm sitting in a donut shop because that's what's open after 11 o'clock at my town, working on an app with a difficult client who's only paying me $400 to build a custom app. Um, and I'm sitting here and only afford me a, a hot cup of like chocolate. And that was my breaking point. I said, there's no way my ass is going to be homeless drinking hot chocolate in the coffee shop, building apps for people who aren't doing this for value. They don't even see the value in it, which is why they pay $400. It wouldn't pay anymore. Um, like, let's throw this all away. Like, let's just stop. Like, this is not it. Um, and this is not this is not what I signed up for. Um, right? Because I did this to streamline my business operations and it just went downhill because when I took the coding out of it, people did they try to value the experience a lot less. Hmm. Um, like, oh, you're not doing it, you know, coding or anything like that. You're just gonna use this tool, you're gonna, you know, do it no code, right? And it started to devalue because I wasn't communicating benefits and nor was I showing that. Mm -hmm. um, stop that. So that was my first pivot into when I realized I needed to do some more work around uh, one myself and my confidence to charge more, my confidence to articulate the value that I see more, right? And drive that. 
So I need to work on my, my confidence because some people be afraid to ask for the sale. I was afraid to ask for sale and afraid to ask for what I wanted to be paid. Um, that was my first thing. And then, you know, now that I'm in Nick's code and it's going well and, you know, I'm scaling, we got revenue, we got customers and over 57,000 users and a team. I am now challenged that you have to lead people, right? I'm now challenged I have to pass my knowledge on to other people so I can be in position to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, the moment that signified that for me was when I feel like I had a hard time retaining people on my team. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, something ain't clicking because one, you have people and they're not, they're not meeting your expectations, Sydney, and two, they're not sticking around, you know, either. So as a leader, it's it's my definitely on me. And how can you be a better leader to one, encourage them and inspire them that they can do this too? Because the users get to view the the non-tech is very much technical inside our infrastructure, right? Yeah. So how can I empower them like I've empowered people on the outside of the product? Um, and how can I, you know, empower these non-technical people working for a tech company? to feel motivated and clear on expectations and equipped to perform at their best. Um, yeah. When I had just seen my uh, employee engagement reflect that there's some work that needs to do, it immediately reflect the work that I needed to do. Um, and then through therapy, when I discussed my work situations, it was prompted that the way I lead is triggered to how I grew up in a household and how my parents set expectations of me is how I set expectations of people in my workspace. Like I never thought about that. Right. If you didn't have participation ribbon parents, you obviously probably don't believe in participation uh, ribbon employees either. Right. But they need, they want participation ribbons. If nothing was good enough for your parents, I say that was my case, but then you're, you're, you're trained and raised in such a mindset and environment that you take that into your leadership and your work. That's how your parents led you, and that's how you lead other people. And that's either how we parent or how we treat our coworkers and or um, direct reports. Um, so that's that's where it triggered a lot of more self work needed to happen and for me to be and, and reflect on those things. I never would have made that connection if it wasn't for therapy and having executive coaching that does have to tap into your childhood and your upbringing. To, you know where does this where does this stem from? You know, and the lack of confidence or uh, you know, your criticism or, you know, your uh, high expectations. Where does that stem from? And yeah, that's, I always just wonder why therapists always want to get to childhood. I'm like, my well, childhood was great. They're like, yeah, it was great, but this is how it's reflecting and playing a part of your life today. Girl, I'm going to get that collection plate for the end of the day because this right, this, when I say, and this is why I pay attention to my audience and who's in it. Because I think there is a unique, we are not a monolith. I want to emphasize that. I recognize that that is the the whole flagship of what I do. Recognizing that we are not this one static image that they put out in the media of us. We are varied. We are talented. We have so many different skill sets and facets and interests and everything to us. But recognizing the other side of that, we We have so many unhealed things that we have to work on. And when we grow up in somewhat similar conditions that may echo each other, we may even echo in our trauma as well. And in recognizing some of the unique characteristics that comes along with 
the black woman's experience, regardless of what you're trying to do out here in this world, whether you are a master chef, a, a professional swimmer, a contortionist, whatever you're doing, you have to exist in spaces with other people. And there's specific things that comes along with being in this vessel and experiences we may have had growing up. And when I say, whenever I have conversations personal development with women, particularly black women, there is this echoed shared thing here. If we happen to grow up in a household that was considered overall nurturing, there's still trauma there. And we, we feel as though even subconsciously on a surface level, that we don't get to acknowledge that per se, because the alternative is you're comparing yourself to another black female counterpart who maybe had no parents or missing parents or a horrible upbringing with parents. Or You can still come up in a nutritive environment, but there can still be unhealed trauma that your parents didn't quite deal with and they sired you. And now you're having to deal with that generationally. Yeah. Literally, the things you're working on are the things I'm working on. <laughs> and a lot of us are. The need to let go, the need to learn how to delegate in a sensitive yet inspirational manner. manner. Um, when it comes to retention, it might not necessarily reflect something about you, but it's good that you have that awareness to say, I need to change something because some people never get to that space in their life. Like they're just like, man, well, everybody tripping in it. But and and that's and I can see both sides of that dynamic. Say it's two people, and one's like, Well, I don't want to deal with whatever. So that's their avoidance kicking in. And at the same time, you're like, Well, they're not delivering what I want. So it's like, I'm gonna go handle it myself. And then that's the micromanagement kicking in. Both people have things they haven't worked on and there's so much room for growth, so much room for growth in every human being, every individual, every person, but specifically for my black women who are listening. There's some podcasts that I really love. Um, one is by a young lady not named Beatrice. Um, it's a self love podcast. Self, yeah, self love podcast <clears throat> on Spotify is phenomenal. She really dives deep into self help, um, romance, all those different different things avoidance techniques all that um yeah i'm a, in fact i can pull that up on the screen i really i, I like to promote other people's stuff too because like there's some phenomenal individuals out here yeah and i like I, i've been looking to get into some podcast uh while i'm on the road and traveling to dive into some stop just listening to the junk and tiktoks i need to be listening to something a little bit more motivating and helpful Yes, and you can binge watch because she has years, okay. years and years and years of this self love fix. Here we go, self love fix by Beatrice. Girl, when I say I relate to so many things that she went through as a black woman, specifically, she's Caribbean. I'm not, to my knowledge, Caribbean, but just a lot of her shared experiences, I'm like, yes, sis. so self love fix. I believe it's also on Apple as That's well. Okay. But anybody, oh, found it awesome, yeah. yes, 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 but. Yeah. I love this conversation so much. Honestly, this is probably one of my favorite conversations. And I'm not just saying that. 
<laughs> because like I'm rooting for you. Like I want to see you do everything you've ever dreamed of, whether that's getting to exit phase with your company. You're like, next code is where it needs to be. I'm going to sell it for $15 billion and have a lovely day. And you go start another startup and gallivant off into the sunset, or you want to continue pouring yourself into this baby and see it grow into full adolescence or I'm proud of you. Like, yes, ma'am. Like black tech week was so inspiring. I go to so many inspiring events, but black tech week was very inspiring because every room I walked in, there was a brilliant black person on that stage who created something to help other people. And I said, you can't tell me we ain't we ain't only popping out here in these streets. You can't tell me. <laughs> it was a phenomenal event. They did a great job for the first like they it was really well executed and thoughtful. Yes. What are what are some other events or things that you're looking to go to or that interest you? Like as someone who's very technical, people who are listening might, might be like, what is Sydney into? Because maybe I need to be looking over there. Um, so right now, well, I have some events I'm speaking at, so I'm attending, but I'm excited to, um, definitely going to Atlanta's innovation week next week. They got a lot of things going on. Um, so a lot of different events that week, Michigan tech week is happening this week, which I'll be speaking at and participating in. So a lot of info around clean tech energy, a lot of founder stories and VC stories. I love attending events that VCs attend, not only is it great for networking, but I like to hear the knowledge and information that they're getting that's educating them on the industry and space. Um, I just like to follow what they're they're looking at and trending to, because they usually try to be first in knowledge of industry and movements and things of that sort. And, um, you know, my goal is to hopefully be an, a venture capitalist when I get some, when I have my exit, I can go re replenish it across from my people. Um <laughs> That, and I'll be at Afrotech in um, just to join and enjoy Afrotech Week in November. So I'll be there too. So that's what I have for the rest of the year kind of coming up. And I have a TED Talk in Detroit, October 26th. Let's go, TED Talk. Okay, let me calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, TED Talk. I ain't got to calm down. That's lit. Yep. Hey. Number one, I'm going to see you at Afrotech because I'm going to Afrotech. Oh, awesome. It'll be so good to see you again. Yes. Period. Um, but I love that. Like, where where in Michigan is the event happening? Out of curiosity. Detroit. Let's go, come on. The, hey, they be innovative up there. My friend, I have a friend up there, um, Regaria Goddard. She is uh, a venture capitalist who works at General Motors. So I'm going to ask her if she's aware of that. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, for sure. That. that That would be lit. Like, what? There's so many things going on. Also, um black founders demo day is going down december 1st in miami and mm. if, if, if you're down there you might want you might want to be down there you might yeah yeah, yeah. Miami. <laughs> to go. it's a lot of black vcs going to be at that event okay so black founder demo day yeah in fact i can pull that up on the screen i was yeah. just having to chat for me yes Girl, I was just having a chat with one of the um the gentlemen orchestrating an event, and I'm it's like everything that I'm I stand for, everything I'm envisioning. Black founders demo day. There we go. It's during the week of Art Basel, which is pretty pretty cool. I really want to attend, so this sounds really up my alley. There you go, Black founders demo day. So you can. Right. I'm a, cool. 
and I'll drop that in our private chat back here. But yeah, it's on December 1st. And, and then you can fill out this little form. His app is the Plain Sight app. So this literally is putting people in a, a repository to connect with black VCs. Like, yeah. Yeah. Get these gems y'all getting on this Digital Green Book podcast. Y'all better sign up. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm excited. And girl, this was dang, 45 minutes on flu by already. Wow. Wow. Sydney, I'm I'm so thoroughly impressed with you. One of my final questions that I really have for you is what is a skill that you don't currently have that you would be interested in picking up, whether it's technical or not? Yeah. Yeah. What's a skill that you want to pick up? Um a skill I'd like to pick up. Okay. I hope this isn't just too shallow and simple, but makeup skills. Same. Same. I'd be like, how do I get that beat? Like, and I guess I'm a pretty I, I like I'm a plain J person. I like it's how I've always been, but you know, the more you get the networking and photoing and interviewing and like speaking, it's like and I look at everybody else's photos like, oh, she looks so glamorous. I'm just like, how do I? I just like I wish I could learn how to do my own makeup. <laughs> I'm gonna put you on. Are you familiar with Jackie Ina? Uh-uh. Oh, girl, you finna binge watch your go. You got your whole programming for the next. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, it's just you would think like it's it's hard. I can't. I don't know. Maybe they think it's simple. I can't lay eyelashes on. I can't lay eyeliner on. I can't. I mean, things be discolored, uneven, chalky, too oily. I was like, I'd rather code before I apply some makeup because this is too much of a challenge. You got yeah. it. So this yeah. young lady, Jackie Ina, has oh. been in the makeup game for over 10 years. Same complexion. Um, it's just real bright in here. Same complexion and literally grew so organically in the system, overcame racial different things to the point where they're sending her makeup now. They're like, is this inclusive enough? Like she understands the game. Girl, I went back and binge while she's been recording on here for like 12 years. You will learn some stuff on this channel. Okay. I'll have to binge watch that and learn. But that's if I can learn anything next, that would be one I think would be fun. It's relaxing. And I'm like, the more you get out here networking, at least you can put a little blush on. A little something. A little moisturizer, a little, you know, you know. Yes. But yes, ma'am, I'm I'm so honored that you came and chatted with me today. This was very therapeutic, very restorative. And I know young girls watching this be like, I can do that too. I know it. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Where can people connect with you if they want to follow? Yeah, um, Instagram and Facebook. I am Sydney Lorraine. Y'all better tap in. Y'all better follow along. You better use next code. I'm about to be using it in about two minutes here because I got to build it right now. <laughs> Thank you so much, sis. This this replay will be available on LinkedIn. Feel free to share it within your network. It'll be available on YouTube. And in a few weeks, I will have the replay up on Apple and Spotify. Thank you so much for tuning in, y'all. Right, bye. Stay right there. Hold on.